Monster Crush is a horny, light-hearted dating show by and for people who love monsters a lot. All monsters are presumed to be of age and are presumed to have given enthusiastic consent in our fictional fuckery. Take care of yourself when listening and see our episode description for all content warnings. Welcome to Monster Crush, a podcast that's a little spooky, always sexy, and surprisingly educational. Every episode, we dare to find love in all the wrong places on our never-ending quest for those best monster smooches. All those good monster smooches. I'm Derek, and I'm joined for the first Monster Crush of 2024 by the incredible LD. Happy Monster Crush New Year, LD. Happy Monster Crush New Year, and what a way to bring in the new year. I it, can't... Is, it is a special day think of anything i'd rather do frankly yeah well you know it's it's the second now so we we, we had our our new year's day and this is this is monster new year's day exactly which comes afterwards actually yeah, technically your... i believe it is national science fiction day specifically just as it is it yeah. is that on the day of recording you're absolutely correct on that yeah i i just saw my little my little windows guy which mm-hmm. always gets me to try to use Whatever the the Windows Edge or yeah Microsoft Microsoft whatever thing. yeah uh huh yeah that's the only yeah. reason I know that this is a thing yeah I'm never doing it no never but I was like oh why there's an why is there an alien this feels appropriate and that's yeah. why there's an alien it might be appropriate it might be this is an episode of choices and, okay. and we're gonna we're gonna see what choices you decide to go with uh, but uh, before we get into any of that what I don't know what that means yeah I, well we're gonna find out okay but before we get into all of that again happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, it is 2024, the year of the dragon. Not quite yet, because the Chinese New Year, I think, is September. February? Those are very different dates. Now I'm going to look it up. I think it's February, but I could be wrong. Okay. Chinese New Year. You are right. I am way off. Yeah. Saturday, February 10th. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that's right, because I was thinking, um, I was planning out future episodes. Like, oh, I could do a dragon episode and a Valentine's Day episode. Or, you know, how's that going to work out our future episodes for Ooh, that? that's going to be exciting. So I don't know I why my dragons. brain said September. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Everybody's a little scaly. But, LD, do you have any any resolutions for New Year? Any Anything that you like to do for New Year? Anything that you were looking forward to Ooh. in 2024? You know what's funny is that I usually do have, like, lots of New Year's resolutions. I'm an Aries, and so I Mm -hmm. like new beginnings, and I love any chance to, like, start something fresh. I love birthdays for that reason. I also love, like, the beginning—I used to love the beginnings of school years, like, the new—a new show, a new— I'm, it's why I do what I do, I think, and why I love doing what I do in my day job mm-hmm. is, is because I am always starting something new. Um, yeah. But strangely enough, I didn't make any resolutions for this year, weirdly enough. That's, that's I've, I've never been a big resolution person either. You know, you always hear resolutions always mm-hmm. fall through. You know, it's, yeah. it's just New Year's just another day. Yeah. Why start... 
I, I get people love markers. People love mm-hmm. markers in time. Yeah. But yeah, no, it, it's always just been like, a, I, I don't know why that has to be the one where people are like, oh, you know, I, I now need to remember to change the year whenever I write the date and I'm going to the gym again. Mm. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll all try to better ourselves. I think mm-hmm. that that's always a good way to go about it. I have no way to tie this in to to today's signatures at all. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just it's it's a new year. We've got we've got lots of cool stuff planned for Monster Crush. I have uh, I have a wonderful sheet where I've been just collecting monsters left and right, and I have so many monsters to to tell you about. Yay. I know that that you're talking about doing some episodes too. I, so. I've I've got like a few noodling around in my head. You know, absolutely, I love that's, that. That's the thing I think about. I never think about resolution. Well, you know, I used to make like the really typical resolutions. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to, you know, take work out or whatever. All the bettering yourself. All the, all this, that kind of a thing. But I, I always see it as an opportunity to like, you know, focus in on goals or, and I, like I said, any chance that I have at birthdays, like solstice, any excuse that I have to like, you know, okay, this is when I start focusing on this. It, you know, rarely actually works, but every once in a while something mm. happens. But I think, you know, I, I do have some monsters that at some point I would, you know, I'm sort of noodling around in that. I'm at this point, I'm just, I don't know what 2024 is going to bring. And so I'm just, I think at this point it's, we're just here for the ride and, you know, I really just want to spend more time with wonderful, fabulous people and do fun things. And that's sort <laughs> that's of what my we're doing goal this. for here. And here we are. And here we are. No, absolutely. I I told you when you first started, I've mentioned this before, there's absolutely zero pressure on you to, to bring monsters. We, we kind of reverted back to the original concept of Monster Crush. And, and that's great. I love that you have plans. But I also love the concept of there being somebody who is a bit in the dark, somebody who can learn about monsters along with, you know, people who listen, who mm-hmm. might not be familiar with some of these monsters and, and have somebody who is, you know, a good... Um, I'm the audience proxy. You are absolutely. Yeah, you, you are a fantastic person for that. So today's episode, speaking of, of noodling, I... Uh, was kind of considering what to call this, and I decided against sloppy seconds. Um, I need you to know that, but but it's so good though. <laughs> it it is, it is. Um, I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to call this. I have I have a couple of titles, mostly including like you know New Year's Second Chances or something like New Year's oh. Same Monsters. I think I might do that one. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, we'll like we'll it. see, but. For my own sanity, because of the busyness of the holidays, and because these singletons have just been sitting around and gathering dust, I have brought you five singletons who have been passed up on in our recent past, our recent histories. So a lot of these were passed up on by Heavenly before Mm -hmm. you you were lovely enough to join the show. So you might not have, you know, any, nobody necessarily has any experience with these singletons. They weren't discussed at all. They were kind of brought up and then the alternative was chosen. Mm -hmm. So I have five singletons for you today. You only get to pick one. Okay. I, fine. All right. I know they'll, they'll come back later, but- I have I have a little variety. I wanted to collect a little variety before I brought them back. Five is a nice solid number, mm-hmm. and they they kind of represent a good variety of types of monsters. So the monsters that I have for you today are the Kandahar giant, just Scandinavian trolls, just trolls. Right. 
the Van Meter Visitor, hmm. the Pascagoula Elephant Men, and the Alabama Metal Man, which was uh, an episode that you did. Okay. Yeah. Huh. That was the, the Elephant Man, or no, I'm sorry, the, the Metal Man or the, oh. the Owl Man. The Owl. Oh. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Oh, that's right. I I passed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 I I recall that I had chosen the owl man because yeah. I was more excited about an owl man. So the Kandahar giant, just to give you a a little like you know you know what you're going into on each of these Kandahar giant is a giant humanoid supposedly seen during the wars in the Middle East mm-hmm. and uh, comes to us from uh, supposedly a sighting where uh, the U.S. military was involved. Trolls, Scandinavian trolls, classic Scandinavian right. mythology, ties in a lot with modern religion as well. You know, they have a very long storied history uh, all around the world. Mm-hmm. You know, any, anywhere yeah. that, that, the, that Scandinavian peoples went, they, they kind of took the concept of trolls with them. Yeah. Uh, the Van Meter Visitor, we're talking a pterosaur-like creature with a laser on its head that terrorized a town in Iowa. Uh, the Pascagoula Elephant Men is a very famous alien abduction scenario uh, okay. with uh, some very strange looking singletons in that. And then the Alabama Metal Man is potentially also uh, an alien sighting or maybe even a superhero sighting. I, you know, so I only get to pick one Just right one now? today. Just yeah. One right now. Oh, my god. Just gosh. one right now. I feel, well, I feel like because it's National Science Fiction Day today mm-hmm. that I should go with one of the aliens. Although, man, a pterosaur with a laser on its head is really So that's good. the thing. That could be an alien. Any right. of these could be aliens. That's always a theory when it comes to cryptids. You hey, know, even I'm, trolls could be aliens. That's, that is definitely one of the things that I am currently learning as we mm-hmm. have been recording these. It all comes back to aliens, every, at least in some form fashion aliens are a good way to explain away a lot of things it's oh we don't see them all the time because the aliens took them away we don't see bigfoot all the time because bigfoot's an alien and also Mm -hmm. because we often do see these flaps of uh you know unidentified aerial phenomena uaps Mm -hmm. around cryptid sightings they they often do tie into one another um you know i i what was this the second to the last one, the, the one before. Pascagoula Elephant Men. You know what? That one sounds fascinating to me. It feels the most appropriate and also like I might get a date out of. I don't know why. I just like get a feeling that, like, here's the thing, is that I'm probably not going to date the pterosaur with the laser on its head. I'm, I mean, you don't know. I, I, I could. It's possible. But I'm like, just saying, you can follow your heart on this one. You can... You know, just if you really want that laser pterosaur, I'm not stopping you. I think it is perfectly okay to go for the Van Meter Visitor. If that's the, you, you seem like you're you're going towards I the alien love, because it feels it, right. But I, I think what really feels right is that that laser pterosaur, and that's it's, okay. It's a, it, it's a, I, I mean, look, I think we talked about this maybe with the Chuck Tangle episode that I r- love pterosaurs, mm-hmm. like they're my favorite dinosaur. If mm-hmm. you will, um, so I think not a I, dinosaur, but yes, I know. I, I I know. I also know that it's not. I I, I know you know. I'm just yeah, just to to but, keep the the one person who would go like um actually like um, I'm actually gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna head that off at the past. I know it's not a dinosaur, but it lumps <laughs> under the like ain't whatever. Uh, yeah, you know what? Let's go with that. The, the, the pterosaur with the laser on its head. Sure. Okay. 
All right. We're doing the Van Meter Visitor. I'm glad you followed your heart on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I have to update this now, actually, because I said 120 years ago. Ah, 121 years ago now. Oh. <laughs> in Van Meter, Iowa, which is uh, a small town, even today, has a population around 1,500 people. Uh, it's situated along the Raccoon River and is, by today's travel standards, uh, less than half an hour from the city center of Des Moines, Iowa. This little town, this little peaceful town, I'm not going to say it's necessarily idyllic, it's in Iowa, but this little peaceful town would come under attack from not one, but two pterosaurs with lasers attached to their heads. Two? Two. That's very specific and amazing. It's 1903 in October. Throughout the course of a week, several people would see what they reported to be a large winged creature. Not feathers, but bat-like wings. Pretty big leathery, stinky, unfortunately, that also seemed to fire beams of light from its forehead. Wild. We're going to start with a man named U.G. Griffith. He's a salesman traveling home on foot. Again, it's mm -hmm. 1903. You know, automobiles, not a big thing, even at this point for a lot of people. They were like, you know, in their infancy. This is so like he's Music Man era. I, you know, I all I hear is Iowa and Des Moines. And as somebody who has been in <laughs> Music Man, like... Or worked on, I think, three different productions of it in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. Like, traveling salesman. I, I believe Music Man takes place at around that period of time. And so that's all I'm, like, hearing in my head is, Oh, there's nothing halfway about the Iowa way to treat you if we treat you, which we may not do at all. Anyway, there's... We're that's early even for the Music Man, apparently. Music Man oh. is set in the fictional town of River City, Iowa, right. in 1912. So we're still... Oh, so a little past that. I mean, a yeah, little before nine, that. Nine years, mm -hmm. yeah, nine years earlier. Mm -hmm. Nine years earlier than the Music Man, which is... Uh, <laughs> Good point of reference, I suppose. So there's salesman, Eugene Griffin. He's traveling home on foot at 1 a.m. after a very long day of work. He's passing through the business district of the, the town of Van Meter. And as he's walking along the main street, he noticed that there's a bright light coming from the top of the Mather and Greggs building, just a local office building along Main Street. And he said it was like a spotlight had been there but he didn't really have like a good reference point for a spotlight. Still, you know, 1903. Mm -hmm. Right. So he apparently felt that 1 a.m. was a terrible time for this bright light to be shining down on the street and wondered where it even came from. So he shouted. But as he did, the light turned to focus on him. And he realized that it was attached to the head of a large bird-like creature, which then flew off into the night onto another building. So he goes to huh. follow this thing along Main Street. He can obviously see where the light is. So he goes, you know, briskly walking along to, to shout at it again, wondering if his eyes are tricking him. Maybe it's local kids that are throwing a lantern around, you know, from building to building somehow. Sure. So he, he shouts at it again, and finally this creature just spreads these large leathery wings that he can see illuminated by the creature's own light, and it flies off into the night sky. So the next day he asks the owners about a light, some sort of like, had they seen mm -hmm. anything? And nobody had any idea what he was talking about. They even sent people to inspect the roofs of, of these buildings that he said he saw this thing on top of, and nobody found anything. So he would be the first one to kind of report, like, I saw something strange and be like, oh, what are you talking about, Griffith? There's nothing going on here in Iowa. Nothing. Never. No, of course not. 
Not in Van Meter. But in a community this small, you know, Griffith's story got around fast. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's not that many people to begin with. No. So sometime after his encounter, again, this is the span of about a week, a local physician named Dr. Alcott got a much better look at the creature in question, or Singleton today. Mm-hmm. It was night, and the doctor was working late, decided to sleep on a cot in his office. But he awoke at one point when a bright light was shined from this inside the window. Mm-hmm. And for a moment, he wondered if, you know, somebody's, again, walking by with the lantern. Is somebody's, you know, did somebody have an automobile and they had the headlights shining through? Right. But then he remembers he's on the second story. Oh, oh, oh. So... He suspects it's maybe somebody trying to break in with a flashlight and he goes to grab his pistol so he he can run downstairs. He's going to catch the person in the act. But when he goes downstairs, he finds that outside his window, the creature has followed him down still outside. But he sees what would come to be called the Van Meter visitor. Huh. This creature, our singleton today, is described as a five to six foot tall pterosaur-like creature mm-hmm. with a massive leathery wingspan, sure, beaked head on a long neck, teeth in the beak, like oh. some pterosaurs would, would actually have. Right, uh-huh. Talons on its wings and feet. Oh. And what's, what's interesting to me, a horn on its snout that a strange beam of light would emanate from. Cool. Very much like a spotlight. So a lot of artistic depictions put it kind of like a little nub on the forehead. Uh Although I've also seen like a little rhino horn that shoots a laser. Cute. Uh, Dr. Alcott disagreed. He fired several times at the thing. Um, But apparently it's bulletproof. Uh, (laughs) As he, He would fire at it and the creature would just turn towards him, shine the light right in his face. Mm -hmm. And he said that it nearly blinded him before it let out a animalistic shriek Mm -hmm. and then took off into the night. Wow. Police came by because somebody fired a gun. Yeah. Inspectors found casings of the bullets and damage to the side of the building, but found no blood, no signs of the creature, no physical evidence there. Hmm. So at this point, between the two reports of two well-respected community members, I mean, a business owner and the local doctor, people are starting to get on edge at this point. I mean, if you can't trust the doctor and whoever the other person, whatever the other profession of the other person. Uh, the I, salesman. Yeah. Oh, right. Salesman. If you shop, can't trust yeah. the doctor, like, who, who are you going to trust, really? But he's probably drinking, but, you know, it's fine. He can do a surgery every now and then. Yeah, okay. <laughs> His hands aren't that shaky. We don't have other options. Valid point. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, it's middle of nowhere, Iowa. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> there was a moment when you were like, hey, it's the leathery wings that I'm like, is this just another Mothman actually, though? But no red what glowing. Well, there's no red glowing eyes, which is, as we know, a trademark of the Mothman. That's and true. And the beaked face doesn't read. Is, is different. Is different yes. than most what we've discussed with the Mothman stuff. So I'm like, okay, this is. Yeah. Pterosaur. Got it. Uh-huh. It definitely falls into the category of flying cryptids in the same way that Mothman mm-hmm. does. Uh, definitely not. I don't think that the Van Meter Visitor is in any way a harbinger, unless you're going to consider a harbinger of just low economic status, you know, low population density. But no, I, I yeah, they both mm-hmm. fly. They both emit a light. But never is this light 
described as being paralyzing in any way. Oh. And that's also an interesting thing to me about the-, the Blinding, but not paralyzing. Through. It's just bright. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's it's a creature that has a bright light. And that's, you know, this Van Meter visitor was offered in the same episode as the Ropen. And the Ropen also had, uh, which was a pterosaur-like cryptid, oh, also yeah, had a bioluminescence. A yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that one was said to have a bioluminescence where you could see it flying over the water at night and kind of gave off blue light, which is mm-hmm. kind of why I paired these together as eight. Here's sure. two similar creatures that have that both emit a light, but the, the Van Meter Visitor is so concentrated that mm-hmm. you can see on its body where the light is coming from. Uh-huh. And then it's like a spotlight. That's that's really interesting to me. Yeah. I can I can see where the Ropen would have been a little more exciting because who doesn't love bioluminescence? But right, well, the Ropen was a grave digger in a Papua New Guinea. This one's local, oh. to at least the U.S. Yeah. So again, people in the town are on edge. Clarence Dunn, who was just local businessman, he might have actually worked at the bank. I, I couldn't necessarily find his role in this, but he is sleeping in the city bank. Uh, he has a shotgun. Apparently, he's worried that the creature is going to try to steal their money. Or maybe he's worried in the panic people are going to try to take advantage of the bank. So he's sleeping in the city bank with a shotgun. And he hears in the night a hissing, gargling sound is what he described it. And as he goes to look out the window, a blinding light flashes in. And he goes to cover his eyes and notices... Again, the similar creature, five to six feet tall, leathery wings, horn on its head, light coming out of it. And he sees it looking from side to side, almost using the light to look through the windows. Sure. So panics, fires the shotgun through the window, and the creature goes to fly off again. Mm-hmm. Again, seemingly impervious to being shot with But with doesn't bullets. like getting shot at, clearly. I don't think it appreciates it much. No. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Apparently, footprints were found the next day outside the window uh, that were three-toed, and uh, plaster casts were taken. I'm sorry, they plaster caps were attempt to be taken uh, with little success. They did not get any successful plaster casts of the three-toed footprints. That's such a bummer. Yeah, well, they didn't have all the techn- the Bigfoot technology we have today, <laughs> you know. So sightings would continue of of the Van Meter visitor. Which I also don't know exactly when it got that name. It might have gotten it after this this whole series of events. It might have gotten it actually later. But uh, there's another sighting later at the hardware store. Again, on Main Street. A lot of these sightings happened on Main Street huh. at night. Maybe it's the largest area that the creature's flying from the tallest buildings. That would make sense. But mm-hmm. that's where everyone is kind of seeing it. And there's a shop owner, mm-hmm. O.V. White who, again, hears a rasping sound from outside. So this creature has so far rasped, hissed, gargled, and shrieked. A a lovely display of vocal qualities. You know, complex language, sure. (laughs) Yeah, maybe it's talking. Maybe it's going to the bank like, I have a deposit. And then it gets (laughs) shot. I need a hammer, you know. I was Um, just trying to say hi, but that didn't work. So maybe I'll try this voice because this one will work better. Yeah, he's like, what do people sound like? Ugh. No, that's not it. Nope. <laughs> yeah, no. So, O.V. White He's trying to sees... make friends. He, I know. That's all cryptids try to do, and they're just so scary. Yeah. So, O.V. White sees a large winged creature perched on a telephone pole. Mm-hmm. He 
gets a gun as is apparently everyone's just fucking locked and loaded. Apparently, well, this is Iowa in the 1900s. It makes sense. I, yeah, early 1900s. Yeah. yeah or we could just say it's just Iowa. Yeah. Well, fair. Good point. <laughs> yeah. So he he goes outside. I mean, this thing isn't even at his window at this point. But people are so on edge about this thing that it's like we need to take down this creature no matter what. It's it's menacingly looking at us, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, it's also not attacked anybody. I, I think a, a big reason why this monster wasn't picked in its first offering, as I described it, as a voyeur, which I think was oh. a, a bit of a, a turnoff for, for Heavenly. I can but see. It, well, when you describe it yeah. like that, sure. Yeah. Nobody likes right. a voyeur. That's true. But I just meant that it looks looks through windows curiously. I'm not sure it's necessarily... I don't think voyeur was the right uh, right word to use. I mean, it's, it's not wrong necessarily, but it does add sort of a, an ominous tone a, to a it. A menacing when it, quality. A menacing it. quality yeah. when he could just be a curious pterosaur. Like, oh, what's going on in here? What's happening? Hello? You know? Just a, a pterosaur peeper. A, yeah. a peeper. A mm. I don't know if peeper's I, I, better, frankly. Actually, it's not. It's really not. It's, I don't. I will. We'll workshop this. Yeah, a terraceer. Terrace. Sure. I don't yeah, hate it's that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's. I it's see what you're doing better. here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like mildly better, maybe. So he, Ov White, goes outside with his gun to shoot at the creature, which is perched on top of a telephone pole. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time we get, we've gotten, like, you know, if we're using our five senses to hunt for cryptids. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't tasted the cryptid yet. We have heard it. We have seen it. Uh, we haven't felt it. This is the first time we're going to smell it. Oh. And apparently as he goes to fire, the, the creature spreads its wings wide mm-hmm. and lets out a horrible stench. So horrible Ooh. that the business owner said he dropped to his knees and began to choke, that he dropped his gun. Oh, yet another defense mechanism. Yeah, defense mechanism, whether this thing farted, whether it's got stinky pits, something's going on where maybe it saw the gun and it's like, no, 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 stink bomb. Yeah. I mean, it's like a squid ink situation, right? You know? Yeah, very That's possibly. what I would do. I mean, and that, not me that's another thing that comes up with cryptids a lot is how bad some of them smell. And that's that's a big sensory thing that really, I think, leads towards the, the credibility of some of these sightings. If it's, it's not just a visual, it's not a mm-hmm. hallucination. Right. You know, if you were smelling something that's so sensorily specific like when people talk about how bigfoot smells mm-hmm. and you know that's the reason they gets the name skunk ape in the south yeah that's that's one of the more credible things to it it is as a monster fucker like the the fact that they all come with horrific smells is like makes them a little harder to romance i'll be honest mm-hmm. like they just need a bath i well sometimes i mean sometimes it's more than a bath but it's like, <laughs> every, every cryptid just... should have its own aroma though right, right? You know, like Nessie's yeah probably but like, you, know, you don't hear about like clonic. oh they sell smell like cinnamony and musky it's always like the sulfurs of hell and like noxious yeah, gas and you're like Ugh, that's just i can't you know, there's there's a theory a to the, the whole brimstone it. aspect to it too mm-hmm. is is and to the the terrible smell is if these creatures are extra dimensional are they are they getting this stench from coming through those extra dimensional pockets sure which might actually have like a friction point to create the smell of sulfur you know are they coming through 
uh, another dimension where that's just normal smelling. Right. And there's all those points to it as well. Uh, people would talk about how gray aliens sometimes have a very uh, unsettling stench to them. Yeah, the mm-hmm. only cryptids that I think smell, quote, smell nice are like fearsome critters where it'll well. be like, oh, you know, the, the hoed egg smells like, like cinnamon and lemonade, the uh-huh. cactus cat. You know, it's, it's stuff like that. Sure, sure. We'll do a fearsome critter uh, episode one of these days. They're they're adorable. Some some of them are adorable. Some of them are, some of them are really unsettling. So Ov White drops to his knees, drops his gun. He's choking at this point on the smell, and another shopkeeper runs out to help him, named Sidney Gregg, uh, who also caught sight and smell of the creature. And as he's running towards Ov White, also drops to his knees and begins to choke oh. on the smell. That's so overwhelming. These sightings go on. Uh, people are like the small town, everybody's in an uproar, like, oh, we, you know, pitchforks and torches. We need to take out the creature. How are we going to take out the creature? Blah, blah, blah. So the mayor is being pressured at this point by all the local townsfolk because these are all his neighbors, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, even today, it's a population of 1,500. Everybody knows everybody. You you know the mayor. Sure, of course. And yeah. and he he's being pressured to, to figure out a way to take out this monster. Gotta do something about this monster. Yeah, listen here, man. We gotta do something about this here monster, or my business is gonna fail. I, I you know, I, I, I guess that's what. I, again, this creature has done nothing to these people besides wake up a doctor and look through a couple of windows. Right. But it's it's scary. It's a monster. So yeah, I don't know. I would love to point out that you, I love that you use the transatlantic accent when they probably at that time would not have because that was a fake accent anyway. I, yeah, I don't. <laughs> it's 1903. I had no better reference. This is this is what people. This is what what I'm doing right now. This is what people in Iowa sound like. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. there's yeah there's there's nothing to reference there. No, it's totally. It, I just sorry. There's my drama nerd coming out. It's like no, I appreciate it. Yeah, I, just, I don't. I don't have the. Um, I don't have the the jargon. I just have I have a I love it, Midwestern accent please, myself. Please keep doing it. It's just it's, I it's all I, I want to point it out to people that the transatlantic accent only existed for radio and and movie personalities. It really did. Yeah. When we when I go back in time in my head in America and it's not the South. That's what everybody sounds <laughs> like. It's not true. Um, so anyway, the, the mayor, for some reason, goes to the owner of the local mine. And again, this is a story from 1903. Mm-hmm. It very much has become a story. It, this sure. is like, this is the mythos of it. It Everything like falls into place. It's not like Mothman where we have somebody like John Keel mm-hmm. who has, you know, kind of solidified the story. But also there are still people potentially alive today who have accounts of the mothman and so everything kind of gets jumbled a little bit gets retold a little bit this one's i mean a hundred 121 years old it's solidified this is the van meter visitor story uh-huh. however inaccurate some parts of it might be however embellished some parts might have become yeah. over time they're part of the story yeah so the mayor goes to the owner of the local mine um man named mr platt and that's the, such a like Iowa mayor name is Platt. Uh, yeah, with two T's. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So he said that some of his men, uh, some of the miners, uh, had reported strange noises from the abandoned mine shafts, but had been ignoring them because you don't go into abandoned mine no. shafts to explore strange noises. No, no, you don't. How, how much smarter we were in 1903. <laughs> uh huh. Mm hmm. 
So the mayor posted police officers by the entrance of the mine at night just to see, you know, if something came of all this. This is the best lead they have, I suppose. And the police uh, were waiting, who were waiting in the night reported seeing not one, but two of these creatures exiting the mine when night fell. Oh, so, there's so these multiples. are nocturnal creatures. There are multiple. There's a couple of them living in the mines uh, and seemingly are nocturnal creatures, which would explain why they're in the mines in the first place yeah. and why they're flying out at night. Well, and it would explain the light, too. Like if I mean, as a if you're a predator who is nocturnal, you want to have mm-hmm. like some sort of advantage, whether that be really excellent scene in the night or some adaptation that, you know, creates your own light that, you know, uh, is also surprising enough and if it's bright enough then it throws your prey off of its game or whatever and i mean you know you throw in a choking a smell that's obnoxious it's like yeah it's a pretty well-equipped predator here a thousand percent no that that's an that's an excellent uh read on all of it is yeah why would it have a light if it hunted during the day why have Mm -hmm. uh yeah no that's that's fantastic Mm -hmm. so once this kind of all comes out you know, because the, the police officers, I'm sure, told their wives and their whatever. It, it's sure. a small town. I, I can't emphasize that enough. A mob of mine workers and local men are actually awakened in the night and are gathered to ambush the creatures upon their return. So the police are, do their little stakeout. They see the monsters flying <gasps> out. Then they wake up everybody, get their guns, and wait for the creatures to come Not back. an angry mob with, like, right? torches and pitchforks. Well, you can't have torches. You got to wait quietly. It's like a, it's like oh, yeah. a seething okay, mob. Okay, but they're still just, pitchforks. <laughs> still pitchforks. Yeah. Yes. Pitchforks, shotguns, pistols. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, okay, okay, I know you're angry. Just shut up. <laughs> We've got to be quiet for these things. That's the. There's absolutely a guest on it. Yeah. Right. That's one man in a red shirt. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Speaking of shows that I've done and worked on or been around many, many times, that one. Okay. So they all wait, I guess, in the brush around the mine entrance, waiting for the creatures to return. And inevitably, the the creatures do return. They, They fly back. As, as dawn is approaching and the men just open fire. Everybody has a gun. Everybody's <sighs> opening fire on these creatures, but are very clearly not damaging mm-hmm. these two flying right. creatures. Like bullets are just you know dropping off them. It doesn't describe whether they bounce off, whether they fall off, but there's no blood. There's no damage to these hmm. creatures. But the creatures do cry out. They do flap their wings and spread their stench. And the creatures fly back into the mines Whereupon the men decide, well, the, we, we can't shoot them. We have no, that's, that's the most dangerous thing we have. <laughs> What's the, you know, the next best thing is, I guess we're just going to collapse the mine. Oh, yeah. And so they do. They knock out a few of the support beams. I, they probably use some dynamite. It does say they use explosives. Uh, and they blow up the entrance to the mine. Oh. Uh, and that's supposedly the last that they were ever seen uh, teams of, yeah uh well yeah i mean you're losing out of the mine you're losing out on the the habitat of these creatures they did send out teams of volunteers to look for exits to the mine just in case these creatures had like a you know a b entrance sure yeah uh yeah, never found any other entrances or exits never found any vents or anything like that uh, it is very possible that the creatures died in the mine or it is possible that they did find a way out that the men just didn't 
the the thing that kind of lends towards this because you you get a lot of people saying you know anytime that you see cryptids it's a hoax it's it's a hoax perpetrated for one reason of or another of course yes yeah because you you have this small town suddenly on the map now they they had a monster sighting that's mm-hmm. going to put you on the map that's going to get you people coming to to see it and everything um, tourists exactly and Economy. that's you know, tourist dollars mm-hmm. if we learned anything from jaws <laughs> so well, the the thing that kind of lends credibility to this sighting is almost every one of the sightings, in fact, I think almost every one of the sightings, comes from a well-respected, affluent, educated person in this community who didn't necessarily... I mean, there's the whole concept of greed. There's always, you know, more money. But these are people who were living comfortably in their time, mm-hmm. in their area, who had clout, who had... Uh, they had a reason to hold on to respectability. I mean, you had doctors, sure. you had business owners, you had the mayor, you had almost the whole town kind of like rising up against this creature. And is this a massive conspiracy by like, you know, the the, the local council to get more money? Uh, maybe, maybe it's, you know, other like other things like that have happened, but they're very obvious when they happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I referenced the Hodag earlier. The Hodag absolutely is, uh, you know, a, a city-supported um, hoax. You know, the Hodag mm-hmm. is this monster in Rhinelander, Wisconsin, and it has all of these things to it, like, oh, it cries the sweetest lemonade, but it never cries. You know, its tail <laughs> picks up the reception of the the local, uh, I think it's the Brewer's baseball game. It's like, it's all of these, you know, kind of goofy things about it. And that's why it's, you know, it's a yeah. known hoax, but they still have a giant statue of it. Sure. But here you have, you know, this this thing that people were portraying as being actually scary, um, as being, you know, something that they were, were concerned about. They, they had this whole mythos to it. And there were other, and this is where the other side of it, mm-hmm. there were other hoaxes that occur, occurred in post-Civil War era America to bring in money. Right. Um, there's the, the really famous Cardiff Giant. Oh, Which yeah. was, yeah, a big stone block that was carved to look like a person. Mm-hmm. It was in Cardiff, New York. I might be wrong about that. I'm going to double check that. But uh, that was a really big hoax. There were the flying lizards of Texas, which was <laughs> uh, a hoax. But again, you know, flying lizards being something. Um, look up Cardiff Giant. Hey, Cardiff, New York. I was right. Hey. Hey, I remembered something. Hooray. The, the theories to like, okay, if this wasn't made up, if this happened but didn't happen the way that you know what what if this is just a, a mis misidentified sighting which which is always something that comes up you know when we talk about cryptids is, mm-hmm. oh is it just people seeing something and not realizing what they're actually seeing and attributing it to a monster right like a giant um, bird or something a giant bird the prank by local youths you know that was one of the the, the thoughts of the first not guy the that youths. saw it was uh, local youths in iowa um are they, you know, tossing lanterns around? They, you know, because that's something kids would do is shining lanterns in mm. windows when everybody's all worked up. Kids got nothing better to do besides their stick and their hoop, and they're just, you know, they're bored of that, so they're gonna shine lights in windows. There's also the rhinoceros hornbill, which I will send you a picture oh, yeah. of to kind of give you an idea. And you know, this is a tropical bird, but mm. it's, you know, it's 1903. You can still have. You know, tropical birds can be transported, and that's something that people wouldn't necessarily know what they were looking at. It doesn't shine a light, but it is a rather 
brightly colored tropical and they're like, big toucan too, like bird. Right? They are pretty I mean a toucan is a big bird. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's basically like a toucan with the you know multicolored bill that kind of curves down, but it also has a protuberance on top of yeah. the bill that curves upwards almost like a rhino horn. And so if somebody in you know nineteen oh three Iowa saw that, they wouldn't have a lot of good reference for it, especially if they saw it at night. Honestly, this picture of this bird is what I was kind of picturing in my head a little bit anyway. Yeah. Maybe less feathery because pterosaur and you know, so but like profile wise that kind of protuberance and i just i'm like it's a bird so let me but send you some pictures dino this bird is the artistic depictions the high glossy jpegs of sure. what the the van meter visitors oh. said to look like okay sure 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 so the black and white one uh-huh. that is that is i believe what is closest to the description i believe that might have actually come from like secondhand sources hmm. from from the sighting. I love these early. Like you can tell, the way that the light is depicted off the forehead is such a. It's a very much of a. Uh, I, it reminds me of those like nineteen fifties like pulp sci fi novels. The way it's Absolutely. like this is how I'm doing this laser. It's specifically the and there's so there's three drawings that I'm looking at here, and one mm-hmm. is there's a colored one where he's like kind of standing and he's got just like a bright dot on his forehead and he looks menacing and does in fact have red glowing eyes. But this is clearly more like modern art. Yes. It seems like. Yeah. And then there's two that Reed is a little older. There's one that's uh, black line work on white. And that has that very, like I said, 1950s sci-fi. Like, this is what we do with, this is how we depict a laser. With, like, a shorter beak, like pterosaur, but, like, not, like, he look, looks a little smaller. And then there's, like, a black one on, that's, like, black line work on a black background that uh, is... Also good, but he definitely looks more like, you know, the scary pterosaur where he definitely is using his legs and he's a, he looks a little bigger. Very muscular, too. Yeah, yeah. Beefy shoulders. The other one's a little more hunched over and looks not as threatening, to be honest. Yeah. That one definitely also has the closest thing to the hornbill with the look of the horn because it does curve yeah. up in contradiction to the, the pterosaur beak curving down. Which They're all missing the teeth, though. They are all missing the teeth. Um, which, uh, you know, that was only from the one sighting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there definitely were. I mean, we do know that there were pterosaurs that did have teeth. Yeah. So yes, is is this a dinosaur sighting as well? You know, is this a pterosaur that, that evolved? That's always one of the thoughts when it comes to Thunderbirds, mm-hmm. uh, which is a big thing. Us, even in this area of the United States, that is technically Thunderbird territory. Oh, yeah, that that great the great span of the Midwest. You definitely had tribes there, which you know sure. look towards the Thunderbird. It's not like prime location, right? But still, I mean, giant creatures that fly, that emit light or fire. You know, the whole concept. Consider we were talking about dragons. Mm-hmm. You know, there are things you can consider a dragon on every continent mm-hmm. on this planet. Um, you know, and and most cultures have something that you can go. That's that's close enough. That's a dragon. It's basically you a know? dragon, yeah. And it's basically a dragon. Stra- yeah. It's a strange coincidence, isn't it, that we all have some version of that? So here you have a bat-winged flying reptilian creature that doesn't breathe fire but shoots light from it. Is that a dragon? I mean, in certain in certain circles, <laughs> sure. Why kind not? Of? 
Yeah. It's um, not not so a dragon. It's not not a dragon. I mean, it's kind of a wyvern more than anything mm-hmm. else. So Van Meter still does have a festival in September that includes a walking tour of all the places that the creature was spotted in oh, town. Fun. So, so I mean, yeah, there's there's that too. There's the the profit side of it. The town is profiting from the sighting. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No. You know, I think that a town should profit, if the, especially because cryptids tend to be seen in these small towns. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that there's necessarily, even if they did make it up, it's still fun. Cryptids and monsters are still fun. I think it's fun but, and silly. We, we do a lot of fun and silly things as humans. And I think having yeah. festivals and like moments dedicated to the strange and unusual is is silly and fun and I we should embrace those kinds of whimsical things. So, like I said, to go back and forth on this, you know, if we're talking about, hey, this is just, this is a misidentified sighting of a hornbill, well, then how were they able to see it at night? Yeah. You, even with streetlights, where did the light come from? Right, exactly. Say that this is just local youths. How were they perched on top of a, a telephone pole and, you know, how did the stink and everything and the, the mine and everything like that. There's a lot to this that I think lends it to being a very interesting monster sighting, a very more towards the unique monster sightings. Mm-hmm. Again, there, there are a couple things that are close to it, but nothing quite like it, uh, as far as I'm aware, seen really anywhere else in the world. And it's kind of this really unique individual sighting, which a lot of people point to is when you get these specific monsters are they coming from somewhere else mm-hmm. you know if if there's no more of them you know if you don't have a population of these monsters then where are they coming from right uh and that's that's the theory of hey maybe this is an alien van meter visitor where did mm-hmm. it visit from uh is did it come from you know another dimension that's been one of the the bigger theories that's kind of going around now that people are trying to reason with to to reckon with is we have these sightings all over the world, all these different things, all these different mm-hmm. monsters. Why aren't we seeing them all the time? Why are we seeing them sometimes if we're seeing them at all? And how are they constantly evading us? Ooh, and what if, what if, what if, what if? What if? What if it was an actual pterosaur that the aliens took, but, mm-hmm. you know, and saved them and then tried to, like, you know, when you know, because we as humans will do that with animals where we're like, oh, we're going to take it out of its natural environment. And then mm-hmm. when we think it's ready, we're going to try and put it back in its natural environment. But it's been so long that they've evolved some new things. Or like genetically and, modified and or something. And we don't recognize yeah. it anymore because time is weird. So, like, it could be both an actual dinosaur and alien. Just wrap them up all together. Yeah. Sort of a, a wear back situation. Right. If, uh, yeah. Okay. And, and, you I'm, know, maybe, I'm glad you did what that movie was. Okay. Maybe maybe there's only two of them because it was the trial run. You know, you put the bonded pair in to see how they yeah. do in the environment. And it's like, <laughs> it's oh. It's a terrible the... environment to drop them in. And, it was and, great a billion years uh-huh. ago or a million years ago. Yeah. I, and it's know. like, oh, that didn't work. The humans tried to kill them. Well, I guess we're not going to repeat that experiment. Right. You know, <laughs> I it could. Who knows? They're constantly trying to reintroduce Bigfoot in yeah. the wild. And they're like, God damn it. These people are just everywhere. Yeah, right. Our, our, our other species. Ah, the other species they created is getting out of hand. Uh-huh. It's, yeah, very quickly getting ancient aliens. I'm uh, just saying. Well, it could be. No, it's, it is it is a theory. It is definitely um, it is definitely a theory that people have subscribed to. Uh, you are not far off base on that. <laughs> and I have no evidence to say whether you were right or wrong. <laughs> so I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, that's stupid. No, I can't. I can't fucking tell you you're wrong. 
There's that's what I'm going with. That's my theory. Yeah, f- far as I know, yeah, <laughs> hell yeah, you're right. But that's all I have for the Van Buren Amazing. It's perfect. I love it. I love it very much. Um, I was gonna say, like we 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 talked a lot of, about you know stink screech uh-huh. wings and, and and bright light and everything. Can we find this cryptid sexy? I you know Maybe that's a question we should ask at the end. Can yeah. we find this cryptid sexy? Can we find love in the horrifying? Oh, I I don't know if sexy is the right word. Uh, this is another one where I'm like, I just want to like adopt them and take them home and like, because I I'm I'm that kind of person who's like, man, I would it would be nice to have like birds as a pet or lizards and things like that, and this just falls right under that category for a me. Real, like six foot tall cage. Yeah, I guess probably like even bigger than that because you don't want you want to have a little movement. I mean, like you know, this the, one of the depictions here definitely gives it more like. Is it smoochable? The thing is, we haven't heard much of its personality, and what we have heard of it feels very, like, animalistic in terms of, you know, predator. Like, I was, you know, I sort of had that, like, predator, prey kind of thing in mind. And so I'm just like, oh, I want to take I would, I would lovingly accept the Van Meter visitor into my home, is what I, I will say. I think that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Personality is tough on this one. We, yeah. we get that it at least has enough cognizance to pair up with another one mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. the you know aware of shifts in in the day animalistic in that sense not necessarily uh attacking anybody mm-hmm. you know mostly being attacked and being chill about it like getting yeah. shot at and being like i really prefer you didn't yeah yeah that's they that's i think that's they a didn't chill try to attack out. when they were attacked they just screeched and let out foul smelling things and then got the hell out of dodge like i think got out of there yeah. i respect that i do too. i I'm not, yeah, I would not be that nice if I was being shot at. I would Frankly, be rather no. perturbed. I would yeah. be ra- rather upset if someone were to shoot at me. Yeah. I'll say that right now. Mm-hmm. Well, LD, I am very glad that you could uh, <laughs> find a place in your heart for the Van Meter Visitor. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm very glad that you were able to to decide between the, the five the five singletons we had uh, as an offering today. Look, as soon as you said pterosaur, it was like, that was it. (laughs) You know, I, I know my audience. Mm -hmm. The other four will be back. Uh, I still have all of their stuff written down. So we will come back to the Kandahar giant uh, trolls, uh, the Pascagoula elephant men and the Alabama metal man. In addition to probably another one, uh, I'm just going to keep, we'll we'll go with a rotation of five. So we'll, yeah, we'll maybe see them in another, uh, 10 to 15 to 20, who knows how many episodes. <laughs> They're also nice when I run out of time to, to do research. There you um, go. Yeah, yeah, that's that's my secret. But <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to those. We'll get to those. And they're uh, all very interesting stories mm-hmm. uh, later on. So, so thank you. Thank you for exploring that with me. Hey, you're welcome. Hey, you know, since we're doing thank yous, and thank you, Derek, Uh, for presenting such wonderful monsters. But we should also give a a big shout out and a big thank you to Nick Lambert, an amazing musician who created our wonderful theme song, although no longer the Pacific Northwest's second most eligible bachelor, first being Bigfoot, naturally. Yeah, it's it's been enough time. I think we just like, I haven't heard otherwise, uh like, Good on you, Nick. I hope the relationship's going strong. Yeah, we're, we're not even. Yeah, we're not even considering you Wait. as a as a bachelor anymore, unless I hear otherwise. Oh, good. Because uh, making that that actually sound natural or interesting has been a struggle so far. But here we are. Um, but Nick is a wonderful musician and did our theme song, and he's great. Uh, you can find stuff about Nick over at Lambert Tropolis on Instagram. If you want to follow along. 
We also big thank you to the Sword and Key Network, which we are a member of and we just are. You can find all of their links on beacons.ai slash Sword and Key. Uh, the Sword and Key Network produces podcast and TTRPG content, very excellent TTRPG content and, content, and there's a lot of cool and amazing stuff coming up in this new year of 2024. I know there's big plans happening. So you should check them out. Uh, look for Sword and Key with underscores between the words over, especially over on uh, the Twitch and and various other social media. Various and sundry. Various and sundry. If you liked this podcast, if you've enjoyed listening to us, please like, subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you listen to stuff to. It really helps us. But also, you know, we we like the feedback. We're doing this because I like attention. I don't know about you, but please, you know. <laughs> That's why we're doing it. I like it's it part too. of it. It's part of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like the validation. Uh, you can find I us <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter and Blue Sky at Monster Crush Pod. And you can find all our links on our link tree, which is linktree slash Monster Crush. Uh, and from there, you can tweet at us, uh, send us an Instagram DM, join the Monster Crush. Oh, also join our Discord and join the Monster Crush chat over on the Sword and Key Discord. Um, or you can email us, too. That's cool. Uh, so tell us your monster crush, what monsters you'd like to hear about in future episodes, and even share your own spooky experiences. We may even share them on a future episode. I like please and need you to because at some point I do want to talk about sleep paralysis demons. I have so many. Um, so friends, stay s- stinky, I guess. Stay shining and stinky. Let everybody, you know. Oh, shining would have made more sense. But no, all those things. Be a sensory nightmare to those around you. <laughs> Let them see you. Let them hear you. Let them smell you. Let them, I mean, taste? That's, yeah, that probably it's... requires consent. But, yeah. you know, feel too. Just be, you know, ask first. Yep. Uh, the other ones, though, yeah, to all your friends with ADHD, just be a fucking nightmare. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time. Welcome to Monster Crush, a podcast that's a little spooky, always sexy, and surprisingly educational. Every episode, we dare to find that love all in the wrong places on our never-ending quest for the best monster smooches. Uh, I'm I'm going to do that again because I added weird words into that. Um, <laughs> it was exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,